Oh, as they're going out, we can uh, kind of reflect. Yesterday, we went to ice skating, and uh, oh my goodness, tell you what, for being 47 years old, uh, old Mark there could get around the ice pretty well. Low center of gravity. <laughs> Dang! I didn't say it. I can't say it because I was, I, I know I've wiped out at least a dozen times. I don't know. I had more snow on me than there was on the ice. I think you did. Um, right. I, did. I, I told, somebody said that. Somebody said, for my age, is that what you said? <laughs> somebody said, man, you're, you're pretty good. I said, no, I'm just not afraid of falling. <laughs> But if you think about that, that's what, it, what it comes down to. If you're not afraid of falling, um, you'll push harder. And I, I think that that kind of comes along with, um, um, you know, our, our, our walk with Christ and, and our, our being a, um, or us being a Christians, uh, believers in Jesus Christ. Uh, too many times what, what, what happens is people are so afraid of messing up um, with uh, maybe communicating or, or talking to their family about Christ or, or um, whatever it may be, a, a coworker. Um, and, and they're so worried about the failure part, the falling part, that, that makes them ineffective. Uh, I think what we need to do is not be afraid of falling because if we fall on our face, we have someone uh, there to, to pick us up um, all the time. And, and um, I, I don't believe if, if you're sharing the love of Christ, God's going to let you fall on your face uh, that's going to be detrimental to your health. So that's just kind of a, a, an added bonus there. If you have a Bible... We're going to go to John chapter 12. And then John chapter 12 is where we're going to begin. Um, we, we're, uh, we paused the, the Luke series that, that we're in, um, going through the book of Luke for, the, for today and for next week, being today is Palm Sunday, next week being Easter. Uh, with that, I know that Jake uh, announced it, but I want to announce it again because I'm excited about it. The kids are doing a little puppet show and singing some songs for us. Um, and that'll be like at the beginning of the service. So uh, if, you, if you have family and friends um, that uh, you're wanting to invite to church, this is a perfect opportunity. Not only because it's Easter, but uh, you can guilt them because, uh, well, your granddaughter or your grandson or your niece or your nephew or whatever... Um, uh, no, nah, don't guilt them, but just be very persistent. Um, no, nah, just let them know that, that what's going on, because they're going to do a little uh, a thing at the beginning um, of the service, and then we will you know, continue on in our, in our teaching, but uh, it'll be a good time. So, um, John chapter, chapter 12. Uh, today being Palm Sunday, um, everybody got one of the, the, the palm fronds? Um, yeah, everybody hold it up. Hold it up. There we go. Wave it a little bit. Smack your neighbor with it. I don't care. <laughs> Craig's looking in the back. He's looking over at his mom. And he's looking at the palm frond. He's looking over at his mom like, I don't know if I want to do that. <laughs> now, see, this is, uh, we haven't done that in a while, but um, I think it, it, it goes with what we're going to be talking about today because I, I think a lot of times uh, people know, yes, it's Palm Sunday, but why is it Palm Sunday? Uh, and I just want to take, and I don't want to insult anybody's intelligence in here, so maybe this may, it might be just a time of uh, reflection for you, or a time to just to remember some things, but maybe this is a time of new instruction, which is, which is fine. 
But I, I think it's important that we know why we, we celebrate what it is that we're celebrating. Um, and, and having these palm fronds, which I was uh, uh, ridiculed the other night in, in our um, uh, council meeting because I called them palm fonds. Um, yeah, fonds, yeah, like a deer. Um, but no, but, and I was corrected, palm fronds. I'm, I'm not a, a botanist or anything like that, so um, that's why I plea. But in uh, and, and having these palm fronds, I, I think that it just, this is just a, a symbol. Um, it just gets us kind of in the mindset. It gives us a visual rep- representation of something that took place uh, a couple thousand years ago, um, something that has great significance. As we're going to see here is um, we're going to see one account, uh, and I say the, the one account, one um, uh, writing of the triumphal entry by Jesus when he comes into Jerusalem. Each of the Gospels, they, they have the, this triumphal entry coming in. Um, I, like, uh, I, I like this one because it, it brings to light something that I think that we have a tendency uh, to overlook. But uh, nonetheless, um, we're going to learn today what that, that the palms are all about. So if you're taking notes, um, today, the, the, the message today is going to be about um, uh, remember and return. Remember and return. And I want us to remember what it is that we're here for, what Christ has done, but then I want us to understand what this return means as well. So, with no further ado, let's roll. Verse 12, chapter 12, verse 12. The next day, the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. Quick pause. Um, the next day, this is referring to um, the day after, obviously, that, that um, the, the, the feast of, of, of unleavened bread took place. If you want to do a little bit of backstory and study on what is the, the feast of unleavened bread and what is Passover, um, look in, in Exodus. This is where the, institution, the, the instituting of the, the, the feast is and, and Passover. Um, this has to go in accordance with the delivery of uh, Israel, the, the Jewish people, out of slavery from the Egyptians. Um, so every every year, we, we know that it, it was uh, customary, and it was actually a requirement of the, the male uh, Jews to go to Jerusalem to observe this feast. There was three feasts in which they had to go to Jerusalem to observe. This was one of them. Um, and, and so, and when we were in the Luke series, we talked about how Jesus uh, went with his, his family. Uh, that's when his, his mom and, and stepdad left him behind and he had to go back to get him. Same, same time frame. So when, when it says here that, that this, this large crowd come to, they come to the feast, this is everybody from through the land. This was a massive amount of people who came to Jerusalem. The population of, of Jerusalem swelled. It was like uh, New York City at New Year's. It was just it was a massive, massive amount of, of people. And it says that, uh, so the next day the crowd that had, that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the king of Israel. And Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, just as it is written, fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. 
Verse 16, his disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written about him and had been done to him. The crowd that had been with him when, or with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to bear witness. The reason why the crowd went to meet him was that they heard he had done this sign. So the Pharisees said to one another, you see, you are gaining nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. A few things that I want to point out here as we work through this passage in the next few minutes. The understanding of that this crowd that came into Jerusalem, this crowd that they came for the Feast of Unleavened Bread, they came for this Passover to take place, this massive crowd heard of Jesus. They heard of Jesus because by this time he has done many, many miracles. He, um, one of the, the greatest miracles in which he uh, ha- has performed just happened here um, in uh, chapter 11 of, of, of John, um, where it talks about, uh, where it, it's, it gives us the account where he calls Lazarus out of the tomb. It says that, that Lazarus had been, de- had been dead for some days. Um, and uh, it, it says that when Jesus came there, he called him out and Lazarus. Lazarus came out of the tomb. So what we have here is, if you, as we're reading on down through here, we, we, it talks about that crowd of people that, that um, witnessed, that, that, um, that had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb. It, it talks about this certain group of people that when, when, when Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth, this group of people was with him. So I, I say this because um, what we have amongst the, this, this large crowd is another crowd inside of the crowd. Uh, the other crowd inside of the crowd is a crowd that actually witnessed Jesus' miracles. Not only did, did, did uh, the, the big crowd hear of the miracles, there was another crowd inside the crowd that witnessed Jesus' miracles. And that is significant because it says that since they witnessed Jesus' miracles, they bore witness. They would bear witness to say, okay, yeah, that's the dude that raised that dude over there from the dead. Pretty significant. And the reason that's even more significant, if you read back in John 11, the Pharisees were kind of ticked off about this. Uh, They were mad because Jesus uh, raised somebody from the dead, and and they actually uh, were plotting um, because of this uh, how to kill uh, or how to arrest Jesus, and not only Jesus, but Lazarus. Because what what you have in in, in the the life of Lazarus now is a physical walking representation of the miracles in which Jesus did. And and I love that because I I think too often what we think of is when we think of miracles um, that that Jesus performs, we think of like a situation that happens and then we we kind of move on from there. Well, the people couldn't couldn't move on from there because the miracle in which happened was uh, Lazarus was moving on with them. He was living and breathing and walking with them. So you have the, the, these people inside this crowd, this other crowd that is saying, okay, this is, yeah, this is, this is Jesus. Um, the, this is the Messiah. This is the, 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 the king to come. But also inside this big crowd, we have another crowd. We had a crowd that hated Jesus because of what he did. We had the Pharisees. So not only do we have this big crowd and we have a, a, another positive crowd inside, we have a negative crowd inside here. We have a crowd of, of the, the Pharisees that, that say... Um, I believe at this time they're not giving up, but they're saying, um, 
uh, well, you see that, the, that, that we're, we're gaining nothing in what we're doing. We're trying to uh, eliminate this, this man who's coming. The, the, these people are, are calling the king of the Jews, uh, but, but look at them now. Uh, he, he's parading through the streets, um, and they have palm branches that they're laying down in front of him. Well, it says that they looked at each other and said, well, the world's going after him. I look at that and I kind of think, well, how, how real, how much of a, of, a, of a real moment would those Pharisees have at that, at that, at that time? When, he, when they, they're looking, and even though they're opposed to, to Jesus here, and they're opposed to what he's doing, everybody is identifying, but they're not the one, they're, 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 they're failing to identify Jesus as who, who he is. What, what's going through, our, going through their heads at that time? I, I, I believe that one of the things that might be going through their heads is, I mean, are we getting this wrong? It doesn't say that in Scripture. This is totally uh, total speculation on my part, but I, I think that that has to be because he says, you know, they're saying like we're not what we're doing isn't effective, and they're actually going after him now. They're going not in a bad way, like we want to go after him to get him, but they're going after him to worship him. Well, I, I think that a, a lot of times what we do is we fall into that that, that religiosity sometimes, where we're the Pharisees and we step back and we know of this, everything that's supposed to happen, but then when we see Jesus moving in the lives of those around us, what we do is we're standing back and we're admiring um, those who are going to God, those who are being affected, those who are being transformed by uh, a relationship with Christ, and we're saying, man, I, man, I wish I was there. Well, you, you could be. Well, what you need to do is you need to pick up a palm branch and you need to submit and go out there and you need to lay the palm branch in front of them. Let, let's do a little bit of the backstory on the palm branch real quick because I think that that's important to understand, um, to help understand what's going on in the, 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 the minds of the people here. So the, the, the palm branch, this is a, a, a Jewish national sig- symbol. So there, um, if you, when you see a palm branch, it, it is representation or is representative of the Jewish people. Now, there's a couple different um, reasonings why it is the uh, representation of the Jewish people, and, and I don't think one's better than the other. I just think that they, they both have credence in them. Um, the, the the one representation is um, that the, the the palm branch. Uh, is significant and signifies uh, Jericho. So, so think about this. I mean, if you've been in, in church or you've heard about um, the, the, the battle, well, not really a battle, but the walls of Jericho that came tumbling down, you, you hear about um, the, 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 the first, technically, the, it is the first battle that um, the, the, uh, the chosen people of God, the, the Israelites, um, encounter or that, that God uh, gave them, that gave them the victory when they came into the promised land, uh, although they didn't engage in warfare. They just had the, the, uh, the band run around the, the, the place a few times, and, and they all shouted and scared them, and walls fell down. Much more intense story. You all know that. But this here is, is um, the, the significance of the palm branch is signifying that, that battle, because Jericho is the city of palms. 
So when, when they see as a Jewish person, when they see um, a palm or they, they're waving a palm branch, they're remembering um, the, the battle that God delivered, uh, delivered to them, that God delivered them from, the, 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 the great uh, victory in which they had when they first came into the promised land. So that's, that, that's that, 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 that one symbol of what um, the, the palm branch uh, signifies. But there's another part of that that I think is important. So when, when we're looking at this, if, when, when Jesus is riding in on a donkey, if he is, um, uh, if the people are waving the palm branches, so they're, they're uh, signifying it to them, um, we have a conqueror coming. We have a king coming. We, our, our Messiah has come. So they're identifying uh, the deliverance that's about to take place. But the other symbol is um, the palm branch is the, um, is the representation or is the symbol of a righteous man. Uh, Psalm 92, 12 talks about that. So it, it says that, that, that um, the, the righteous flourish like the palm trees and grow uh, like a cedar in Lebanon. So the, the palm branch is also a, a symbol of righteousness, so essentially, not only was Jesus coming into town as the, the deliverer and the conqueror, they were signifying that he was a righteous man. Uh, we, we know that even the, some of the Romans afterwards uh, said those same words as Jesus died on the cross. Uh, surely this, this was a righteous man who had no fault. You know, what we, so we see this, that, um, that this palm branch has great significance in, in this story. So as again, as to, to, to wrap up the side note here, when we have Palm Sunday, we're, we're, we're remembering now that Jesus, as he rode in, the people were, were, were cheering for him. And the people were saying, oh, the, the, okay, here's our conqueror. Here's our deliverer. Here's the righteous one who has come. Because here's, here's what's significant about this. Next week, we're going we're gonna to hear a little bit about uh, the same crowd, what they did just seven days later. Uh, not even seven days later. Just a few days later, they're going to say, uh, instead of Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, they're going to say, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. We don't need to forget what it is or why it is that we come together and we celebrate things like today. So Palm Sunday has great significance. It's not just another Sunday. This is the beginning of Holy Week. Um, it, 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 some churches do a, a lot for, for Holy Week. Uh, my buddy up the street, you guys know Pastor Rich, they have, uh, you know, um, I think there's like four different serv services. I know he has a Thursday service, a Friday, um, and then a sunrise service on Easter, and then a, an Easter service. A lot of churches do things like that um, because they, the, what, what it is is it's, it's uh, celebrating the whole week that, it take, that it's taken place. Let's go on. So um, understanding a little bit more about the, the palm trees or the palm branches, we can understand uh, a little bit more about this story here. It says that, and Jesus found a donkey and sat on it. If you want to uh, go a little bit more in depth, look at the other, the, the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, uh, and, and Luke, and it talks about how he went about getting the, the donkey. He went into town. He sent a couple of his, his dudes into town to get the donkey. But here it just says that he got one, and, and uh, just as it was written, fear not, Daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written about him and had been done to him. 
Here's where I want to kind of even, uh, for us to jump off even deeper here for a second. When all of this took place, those people, those disciples um, that, that walked with Jesus for now over three years, those disciples still didn't understand everything that was going on. Even though they've seen multiple miracles, many miracles at this point, they still did not grasp the totality, the totalness, the major impact that this was going to have. It wasn't until Jesus was glorified that this came to remembrance. What does that mean when Jesus was glorified? It means after his death, burial, his resurrection, his ascension into heaven... And then when the, 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 the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, that was when they, 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 they understood what had taken place. And they had that, we call it the aha moment. Oh, that's why that happened. Well, and that's when the, the, the accounts, that's when the Gospels are, are written, after they have seen and after they have been able to learn what, it, what all these events that took place, now they make sense. And, and I, I love how John writes it here. It says that then they remembered these things. This is where we get the, the, the start in, the, in the, the diving off point, the jumping launching point for this message is the remember and return. Because I think too often what, we, what happens is we know something, but we fail to remember something. We fail to remember the significance of it. The, the, the remembrance in which is taking place for um, the, the disciples here, um, they, they, they quote where this remembrance came from. Here, the, the, the text in which they're quoting is Zechariah chapter 9. And, and they're, they're quoting that, okay, oh, that's, okay, that makes sense that a few hundred years before when it was talking about um, the, how, how the king was going to come in on a donkey, and that, that's why Jesus did this, and that's, they're putting all of these pieces of the puzzle together. I, I think that we can learn something from that. Turn over to Zechariah chapter 9, because I, I don't want to just stop with that, 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 that short uh, verse from it, because I, I think there's so much more um, there's so much more to it. In Zechariah chapter 9, we'll just look at verse 9 uh, through 13 real quick. Understanding that this all happened hundreds of years before Jesus came on scene, before Jesus was even uh, born, you know, away in the manger, because um, uh, he had no crib for his, his bed. Um, the little Lord Jesus laid down his sweet head, um, right? So way before that, I had to get that in because I sang Fresh Prince of Bel-Air a few weeks ago, so I had to sing a, a, a good, yeah, uh, keeping, it, keeping it real. <sighs> so this took place a, a long time, a, a long time before Jesus uh, was born. Look at verse 9. Understand this is a prophecy about the coming Messiah, the coming King. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your King is coming to you. Righteous. Oh, wait a second. There's that word. Okay, palm branches. All right, cool. Uh, righteous and having salvation is he. Humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. I will cut off the chariot from, um, from Ephraim uh, and the war horse from Jerusalem, and the battle bow shall be cut off, and he shall speak peace to the nations. His rule shall be from sea to shining sea. No, it didn't say shining sea. From sea to sea, and from the river to the ends of the earth. 
As for you also, because of the blood of my covenant with you, I will set your prisoners free from the waterless pit. Return to your stronghold, O prisoners of hope. Today I declare that I will restore to you double. Let me stop there. Because I, I think that this helps us bring the rest of this picture into play here. So when the disciples are remembering what had been prophesied about Jesus, and when the disciples are remembering that the king is going to come, when, they, when, they, when Jesus, it happened, and they're still not understanding, but then on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they remembered, because we know that one of the, the duties and, and the, the um, operations or the, the jobs or the roles, whatever you want to say, the works of the Holy Spirit is to bring to remembrance uh, that which was taught, that which what Jesus taught, the words of Christ. So um, not only here do we have the, the, the words of Christ, we have an event that when the Holy Spirit came upon uh, the, the, the early disciples, they remembered that, okay, as Jesus was going down, and they were singing, they're saying Hosanna, and saying, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, and saying all this stuff. That, at that point, they remembered the reason all that happened was because it was prophesied hundreds of years ago. And I like to take that one step further. So if that was prophesied hundreds of years ago, there's got to be more into this text and more that was running through their minds. Not only what was it that small part in John where it says, fear not, O daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming. Not only was that running through, the full context and the full background that was taking place and was motivating them at this point because we know that the disciples got very bold in their witness. What was motivating this is, I believe, the rest of this prophecy, and particularly verse 12. Look at verse 12. This is where I get, I mean, I get juiced up about this because this is, um, it's amazing to me. It says, return to your stronghold, O prisoners of hope. Stop there for a second. We don't use that word much anymore, that stronghold word. But here, the, the, the prophet is prophesying. He, he's saying that this is what the, the Lord is saying. He's saying, return to your stronghold. Okay, so since we don't use that, that, that term uh, that often, what does it mean? What, what does stronghold mean? Um, that's another word for a, a, a fortress. Um, or not only a, a, a fortress, but a um, could be a, a castle or a um, fortified position. But I like what... Uh, how the, the psalmist explains what a stronghold is because when, when we hear, when we hear the, the prophet here say, return to your stronghold, this is what I have in mind. And I, I think that this is what the, the people have in mind as well. Turn to, keep your finger right there in, in Zechariah. Turn to Psalm 18 real quick. Because in Psalm 18, what we have is, is I believe, this description of what the stronghold is, or as we're going to see, who the stronghold is. Look at, at um, in Psalm 18, we're just going to look at 1, 2, and 3. Verse 1, it says, I love you, O Lord, my strength. Uh, personal evaluation real quick. Don't answer this out loud. Just answer yourself. Answer to you to yourself. Could you say that? 
If you're sitting here as a, and you're claiming Christ, like, yes, I, I'm, I, my trust and my hope is in Jesus Christ, can you honestly say, verse 1, and mean it, not, not just when, when uh, you know, you see somebody for, for, you haven't seen for a long time, and they get ready to leave, it's a relative, or maybe it's an old friend, and they say, love you, and you say, yeah, I love you too, or the Bud Light commercial, man, I love you, man. Not that type of love. Can, can, you, can you say with a, a deep affection, an agape type of love, a love in which God um, is defined by uh, in, in some attributes or in one attribute, can you say of God or to God, I love you, O Lord, my strength? I, I, I don't want to press any further into that because I, I think that if we can't get past that, we're really not going to claim the rest of, of verse 2 and 3. There has to be that, okay, I, I love you, that you, you are my deepest affection. Um, I, I love you more than I, I love uh, my, my wife or my husband. I love you more than I love my, my children. I love you more than, in fact, kids love cake. I love you more than, are we live this morning? That was good. I like cake. Um, I love you more than, <laughs> I love you more than anything. That is... That's a reality check for some because some think, well, wait a second. I'm, I, the Bible says I'm supposed to love my family. I'm supposed to love my, my kids. and I'm not saying don't love them, but the, the Bible is very clear. God is very clear in his direction. Love God first. Before anything else, you, you have to love God because I, I, I fully believe that if you don't fully love God, you don't fully know what love is. You may have a good, deep affection and you may have uh, some, some outpouring, but the true essence of love, the Bible tells us that God is love. We need to understand that our, our, our love, first and foremost, has to go to him. Because if our love, first and foremost, doesn't go to him first, it cannot fully, and I'm not saying it can't at all, but it cannot fully go to our spouse or to our kids or to the extent of our family or friends. Because God is a jealous God. He and this is where some people are going to start squirming, he demands our love. There's no, he doesn't, he doesn't share that. He does not share your love with anybody else because he's worthy of it. Again, that doesn't mean that we hate everybody. No, we have to love him first and foremost. And then when we love him first and foremost, it's like centering the compass. It's, it's, it's okay, it's centering our life around him. And then from there, he takes care of the rest. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So let's get past verse one. Verse two, so it says, I love you, or verse one, I love you, O Lord, my strength. Verse two, the Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, and I am saved from my enemies. So when, when in Zechariah, when the prophet there says, return to your stronghold, return to uh, your stronghold, O prisoners of hope. The stronghold in which, which he is calling us to return to is not a place. It's not a physical locale. It's a person. 
So he's, he's talking about the, 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 the Messiah is coming, the, the, the deliverer of the world, of the nations is coming. He's saying, since he is coming, since he has come, return to your stronghold. Return to God. That's, that's what I love about days like today, like Palm Sunday. Because I, I think that when we, we celebrate Palm Sunday, um, uh, uh, it gives us a... So, so the, the gamer, geeky, old, you know, when I was a little kid, I used to play video games and stuff like that. There was always that reset button on there. So, so you messed up too much, you just hit the reset button. Uh, but you had to hit it really quick if you had that, that, that type of Nintendo, you know, because Nintendos were kind of crazy and you had to blow on the disc and put it down. It's whatever. Shove cardboard down inside there. So you had to hit the, the, the reset button real quick. But nonetheless, you, you hit the reset button. I think sometimes in our lives what we need to do is have some type of proverbial reset button. And I think those reset buttons are days like this, Palm Sunday, where it's a significant day. Now, does this day, is it any more special than any other Sunday to worship God? No. But if it takes this as a time where we're going to, okay, I'm going to hit the reset button, let's hit the reset button and let's remember and return. Let's remember what it is that we're supposed to do. Let's remember who God is and let's return to him. I don't care what you've done. I don't care who you are. I don't care any of that. God doesn't either. What he wants is you to remember who he is and for you to return to him, no matter what is going on in in your life. And and how do I know that he's talking to you and to me? Because we are the O-prisoners of hope. When he's talking here and how David is talking about what our stronghold is and who our stronghold is, he lists all these things, a rock, a fortress, a deliverer, um, his salvation, a shield, strength, all of these things, he's identifying who God is. So when we're called to return to him, well, we can return to him with confidence we can return to him, as it says in Hebrews, it comes near, draw near to the throne of grace in time of need. So you can receive mercy and you can receive grace. We can come near to him when we're having troubles in our lives. This is not some mystical, magical uh, formula that, that takes place where um, when all else fails, I'm going to follow after God or return to God. What this is, is the truth of God. It says that return to me. Jesus himself says, come to me all who labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Uh, Peter talks the same about God. He says, cast all your burdens onto him. Because why? Because he cares for you. He loves you. This understanding that that it was going through the mind of of the disciples, uh, particularly John, as he's writing this, and as he uh, quotes Zechariah chapter 9, I believe that he he was remembering this All right, return to the stronghold. Because if you don't return to the stronghold, you will not be able to endure what it is you're going through. Understand, and one way in which I wanted to take this today, but it didn't go that way, was understand that what, when you go to a stronghold, if it's a physical locale, like in the Old Testament, there was a stronghold that David had. It was the cave of Adullam. And in the cave of Adullam, it was all of these people who were distraught and distressed and discouraged and discombobulated and whatever disses you can think of. All of these people that were jacked up come to this place so David could leave 
lead them because David was a man after God's own heart. But when they came to this place and they took refuge and they, they sought after the Lord, the reason they did was because they were preparing for what was going to be presented ahead of them, for the battle that was going, they were going to face. So when it says to return to our stronghold, understand that when we come back and we return to the Lord, we take refuge in him. We don't take refuge in him so we can sit in the corner and we can rock and we can just, oh, kumbaya, everything's good. No, when we come back and we return to the Lord, he wants to equip us for what it is that we're going to face. We have responsibility in this. Because if we don't have responsibility, why remember what does it really matter if we remember Palm Sunday or not? What does it really matter if we really return to the Lord, if we're just going to kind of return and sit on our thumbs? No, the responsibility in which we have is great. We need to uh, continually uh, be in the presence of God and continually be refined. I'm on these reeds today, I guess. Be refined by what it is that God has, has done for us and what it is that God can do through us. Why? I'm glad you asked. I get juiced up, and I, 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 get, I get excited about these kinds of things when, when we talk about remembering and returning, and we talk about this Palm Sunday, because I think there's a huge significance in this. Too many times, too many, too many people, what they do is they hear a, a, a message, or they, they learn some new truths, and they, and they kind of just like, I don't know, categorize it or file it away, and they don't really act upon it. The reason they don't act upon it is because, is because they don't really know the why behind it. They don't really know the significance and behind why it is so very important that we do uh, uh, celebrate Palm Sunday. So I'm going to tell you why when we're celebrating Palm Sunday that we need to remember and return. Because we're reminded of the, of the events that happened that week. Okay? Duh. Yes, but... We're reminded of the events that happened that week. And because of the events that, had, that happened that week, we can be reminded that we've been set free. That's, I mean, I get chills just thinking about, I've been set free. What have I been set free from? From the penalty of sin. From eternal damnation. From the eternal separation from God. No matter how nasty and bad and every, whatever I've done, I have been set free. Granted, there's a responsibility on my, on my part. I have to receive that gift that God has, has, has given to us freely. But I have, I've been set free. No matter what anything or anyone does or says about me or to me or whatever, it doesn't matter. Because God says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I don't care what you think of me. I don't care what, what Facebook says. It, it doesn't matter because in God's eyes, I've been set free. So when we remember and we return, we're returning to the stronghold and we're remembering that, you know, I'm free. In Christ, I am free. Another thing, because of the events of the week and because we have been set free, our lives are intended to be different. This is where some people kind of get squirmish because, well, I don't want to be the weirdo. <laughs> You're weird enough. I mean, come on now. You might as well be weird for a good purpose. No, you, we're, as believers in Jesus Christ, we are, we are commanded to, we are destined, if you want to use that word, to be different. 
We're to be different from the world. That doesn't mean that we're the guy standing on the corner, you know, uh, shouting out, uh, turn or burn, you know, with the big signs and, and, you know, whatever. God hates everybody unless you love him. No, 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 not, not that. But our lives should be different. There should be something where, where our, our lives are a display of what God has done in, in them. And here, here's the, the last thing. Because we remember and return, uh, we can remember and return on Palm Sunday, why, why we need to understand this is, is because um, the events of that week display for us, communicate to us the awesome truth of eternal life. We have eternal life because of the events of that week. Because of the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We have eternal life. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying I'm a universalist. You all know that. Not everybody in the world is automatically it's going to happen. No, because the Bible says it's not. You have to receive that free gift. But when you receive that free gift, you have eternal life. And that's what I get excited about because here's the, here's the, the, the truth. And if you don't know this... You, Maybe this will be an awesome time of revelation for you this morning. Eternal life, and hear me on this, eternal life starts at Jesus' death, not yours. Think about that for a second. Eternal life starts at Jesus' death, not yours. Because too many times, too many people, what they do is they say, oh, I can't wait to have that. Oh, I get it. But Jesus says I, I, that, that, that I've come to give life and life to the full. I've come to give life and life abundantly. That life starts when we become believers in Jesus Christ. When we are, are transferred from the domain of darkness into the kingdom of light. Transferred from being dead in our trespasses and sins to be becoming alive in Christ. So eternal life doesn't start when you take your last breath. Eternal life started when Jesus took his last. Because that's where we get our eternal life. So we should be a people that we live that way. So when we're talking about uh, or we're uh, addressing situations and whatever that is that's going on in our life, we can address it um, joyfully, even though the situation may really stink. We can address it joyfully because we have eternal life. What's the worst that can ever happen to us here? We could die. But the, the Bible says that absent from the body is present with the Lord. I'm not saying that we go all out and we all off ourselves. I'm not saying that. But what we should do is we should live with the life that God has given us inside of us. Because the same spirit that rose Christ from the dead is inside of us. It's given us. It says if he um, took and he, rose, uh, he raised Jesus' body, how can he not raise your mortal body? You have life inside of you. So when we remember and we return to the stronghold in God this week, today, as we're celebrating Palm Sunday, the remembrance is you're alive. Live that way. Don't let the devil and his little demons and minions or whatever you want to call them bring you down because you have life inside of you. 
Let's pray. Before I pray, I, I, I want to do this. Um, maybe, maybe you're sitting here and you're saying, well, I don't know. Okay, that's fine. That, that's, that's totally fine. Um, I would much rather you say, I don't know, than say, well, I don't really need God. I don't know if I've got... If God is in me, I don't know if I have that personal relationship with God. I don't know if I love God. Well, some of you may be thinking, I don't know if I can love God. Some of the things that he let me go through, I don't know if I can. Well, here's the beautiful part about it. Your love for God is not dependent upon you. It's dependent upon the work of the Holy Spirit in you. So if you're here and you're like, I don't have a relationship with Jesus, this is a time where you need, to, um, you need to surrender your life to him. However that may look, there's no special uh, words, there's no special formula. The Bible just says if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and, that you, and if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So that's putting all of your trust, all of your hope and everything into what Jesus did this week. His death, his burial, his resurrection. Take a moment and just ask you, okay, do I love God? And then from there, if you're answering that question, yes, okay, am I living for him? Am I living for him? What area of my life do I need to remember where God has worked and he's identified and I need to, I need to fix this through his power, through his strength, and the way in which I'm going to fix this is I'm going to return to him. I'm going to take refuge in him. I'm going to learn from him. And then I'm going to live What's the song say? Live like there's no tomorrow. But you're going to be doing one even better. You're going to live because you have an infinite amount of tomorrows. Our Father God in heaven, Lord, we thank you, God. We love you, Lord. We ask as we finish um, today in this time of worship, uh, God, that you just uh, take the words in which you've given me and given us, uh, Lord, that you just let them sink into our hearts. God, that we remember you today. We remember what you have done, God. We we take confidence and we're bold in our witness. God, our, our lives are reflecting of what you've done. God, you're an awesome God. God, we are in such a debt of gratitude to you. But God, you don't, you don't care about that. You don't care about the debt in which we are to you. you. You just want our love. Not that you need it. But God, you want to enjoy that with us. You want us to enjoy that. Lord God, we love you. Lord Jesus, we thank you. Holy Spirit, be among us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and worship.